They want me to change, they want me to change, but I ain't changing, nah. I remain the same. And you are not tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio, brought to you by M3S3 Clothing, Men Make Moves and Suckers Stand Still, and as always, on the mighty, mighty, mighty Nerd DJs Radio Network. Come on, man, y'all already know, man, we only rock with legends over here, and today is absolutely no exception. We got Darren McCarty, four-time Stanley Cup champion with the Detroit Red Wings. How you doing, bro? What's up, job side? Uh, privilege and an honor to be here. Uh, I guess uh, intellectually petty. I can, uh, uh, in my fifty, almost fifty-two years, I can be that. So it, it, uh, it's Paul, bro. Yeah, man, I'm old. <laughs> Just don't give a shit. <laughs> Yo, okay. So, when did you start playing hockey? Like what? Uh, probably you know it's it's funny because uh, the joke in Canada. See, I grew up. I consider myself Detroit's favorite stepchild because I grew up just across the border, just outside Windsor, mm-hmm. in a town called Leamington. So to give people an idea, give or take ten minutes for the border. My house I grew up in to Joe Louis Arena was forty minutes. Okay. Right? So I they say in Canada you learn to skate before you learn to walk. Uh, most kids start at five. Uh, I attempted to start at five, but didn't like the garter belt that held your socks up. So I wasn't allowed to play. So I started when I was six. Okay. And at what point did you realize this is what I want to do with the rest of my life? Oh, dude, I was in, I, since I was, uh, probably legitimately like 10 years old. Um, it was something that you go back into, you know, we all have uh, elementary school yearbooks, and I know in my sixth sixth grade sixth grade yearbook, the fact that uh, it's written in there, what do you want to be uh, when you grow up? And it was a professional uh, hockey player, and I I'm one of those guys that was always told why I couldn't more than why I could, and I just made a career and a lifetime of just proving people wrong. So um, I'm one of those people that believes that if you you can uh, do whatever you want. It's about priorities and and doing everything. I, there's sacrifices along the way and stuff, um, but uh, I, I'm living proof that uh, I'm living. A, I lived a childhood dream. Why is fighting so important in hockey? Fighting? Yeah. Well, I think that you know because like, there's so much to fighting in hockey. And it's not just the fact that to fight. It's the men- the mental part of it. The fact that anything in life right the accountability mm-hmm. and it is what it is so if you know that your accountability is getting your ass kicked for doing something wrong that well that's one thing too but there's also psychology that goes along with it right um i won't touch your guy if you don't touch our guy okay you know can make it go down but i just think it's the great equalizer right just the fact that that that's what i think in sports has been lost since uh, I started my NHL career in 1993, retired in 2009, um, it's, it's sports is a lot different now, you know. And and I I get it with the the CTE and the concussions and stuff like this, but uh, it's just a lot softer. And when you hear guys like myself that used to play the game at a fit, such a physical level, 
you know, we're, we're not upset with the, the way that the game's evolved talent-wise because it's, um, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. The skill levels are incredible. It's just the accountability to each other. Um, that's what's lost. So, you know, the accountability now isn't that you're going to get your ass kicked. It's the fact that you're going to lose money and get fined and have to, you know, have to uh, go answer to your old lady. I mean, they're making a shitload more money nowadays, too, though. What's that? They're they making a lot more money nowadays, too. They can afford oh, it to get yeah, fined. Yeah, yeah, for, you know, for the most part and stuff like this. But it's all sports are different, right? You look at pretty much now in sports, it's it's in my game in hockey, right? If you had your head down and you went over to the middle of the ice and you got hit, lit up or whatever, well, you were the dumbass. You don't go through the middle of the ice with your head <laughs> down just like a receiver in football. But now they penalize the guy that hits you instead of the guy being stupid. But, I mean, it's sort of the way society is. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm just glad it's not my game. I had to learn how to watch this team, this Red Wings team, differently, you know, and, and to cheer. And now it's up to, you know, my job with the Red Wings now is to get the culture and make sure the fan base and everybody you know, the history and all that stuff and the connection to the to the people. Um, Steve Eisman, Chris Draper, Nick Lidstrom, their job is to get the team right. So they're better to watch now. Uh, they can score goals. They're entertaining. But again, like you said, the fighting, the physicality of the game, it's just different now. Um, are they better if they're not winning? Uh, n- no, you're not better. You can't hold the, hold the track to that. But, but it's... You got to look that now within the salary cap era and the way the contracts are, and it takes time to build it properly. Because the one thing Steve Eisman is doing, he's building it for tenured success like we used to have. I mean, I, I never missed the playoffs, you know, in, in my 15-year career, um, you know, and Detroit had just come off, you know, 25 straight years of the playoffs. He's trying to get it back there. So it just takes time, you know. It, it, it's, it's tough. But the right guys, you know, the right guys that you watched win championships are putting it together so they know a thing or two. Okay, let me ask you this. You can have one career, Wayne Gretzky or Andre Richard. Who do you take? Yeah, that's a good one. I'd probably take Andre Richard because he's got like 11 Stanley Cup rings, bro. And that's like the, <laughs> he's got like the ultimate flex on everybody. But, you know, you can't go wrong with either. Wayne Gretzky's the great one in the era that he played. He's got all the records if you're into that. I'm more into team success, you know. So some, I, some I take, told me you'd I take say all that. the cups. I, some, yeah, something told me you would say that. And I'm the, yeah. I, I take all the cups, too. Uh, right on, brother. S- speaking of the Stanley Cup, what is the craziest thing, the craziest thing that the Red Wings have done with the, the Stanley Cup? You know, I don't know, you know, like the, as far as crazy stuff, you know, you've seen pictures of Steve Eiserman with the life jacket uh, having it out um, off of Harsons Island in the middle of uh, Lake St. Clair. Um, I've had it on the back of a Harley. In fact, uh, I know you you saw the Bob Pro Memorial Man Cave. That's where we're in. It was actually the Harley that you see the picture on that was in the Detroit News or whatever. That was Bob Probert's Moo Moo Cow. Um, Harley, because mine didn't have a back to it. So that's one of the things. 17 and a half beers, it bubbles the top. You can't get 18 in there, bro. And and it's true, Draper's kid did uh, defecate in the cup. 
I think that may be it's the oldest uh championship trophy in in North American sports too, right? Yeah, it's and and it's it's got a, such a unique history because everybody gets it for for a day. And you can do like, you know, I've taken it golfing and had it out, you know, had it uh at my childhood uh, you know, arenas got to skate around there. That was a big thrill. Had it, you know, having it four times um we did pretty much everything with it um and no everybody asked me i don't know how many ounces of weed fit in it because <laughs> you weren't a lot I, I think maybe now maybe because it's legal in canada and stuff you might be able to measure it but you weren't allowed to do any nefarious things with it <laughs> yeah I, I didn't even conceive of that question to be quite honest i did uh, <laughs> What, the first time, what was the best championship for you? You know what, bro? If if anybody out there, uh, championships are like kids, right? If they all have a storyline and you love them, you, you, you love them the most, but differently. Like if you're asking, like, so when I get asked this question, I go, okay, if you're asking DMAC, mm-hmm. right? Because there's there's different people, right? DMAC's. The, the guy that got Lemieux, the guy you see out there, the guy, you know, all about it. Right now you're talking to Darren, right? But DMAC would say the first one, what are you, stupid? I scored the goal, one-on-one goal, brought the cup back first time, you know, 42 years, you know, like that. I mean, duh. Um, but when you talk to Darren, uh, the 98, because of the Vladdy situation, Losing Vladimir Kostin up in that accident in the Believe year, and that mm. was more. That was a championship by all of us, not just the team, the organization, but the fans. And because we went through such a a loss, um, it really galvanizes. And I think that would make Red Wing culture special. O2, the Hall of Fame team. You know, I, I'm a part of something like something where people tell you that you're supposed to do something, and you actually do it. Because of the greatness, no matter what, that's something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's ten Hall of Famers or eleven Hall of Famers on that team to be a part of. So, that's crazy. And then 2008 and the comeback, be able to come back um, through battling through all my my issues and stuff, and to be a part and play 17 games in the playoffs and win my fourth Stanley Cup. Thing that I have the most pride to have a picture in the other room of myself, Chris Draper. Kirk Maltby of the Grind Line, Thomas Holmes from Nick Lidstrom were all the all the guys with four Stanley Cups this last time around. So um yeah, but the first D Mac definitely says, well, the first one, man, it's got it after you, you get to score a goal. Yeah, I beat one guy one on one. I just did it at the right time. That had to be phenomenal. Do you miss the cheers? Oh, uh, the best part is coming out of the corner and my eyes catch Steve Eiserman, whose eyes are the size of dinner saucers. And he's the guy that I've watched since I've been like 11 years old and, you know, only ever wanted to be the the Robin to Bob Prober and Joe Kosher's Batman and help Steve Eiserman bring the cup back. And he's looking at me going, what the fuck was that? And I'm looking at him going, I don't know. And he, and he says to me, well, thank God you don't have to do it again. He's always right, bro. Thank God I didn't have to do it again. <laughs> Was Colorado your favorite opponent? Oh, yeah, because they made us, we made them. And you remember back in the 90s, bro, no matter what sport it is, if you you had a rivalry, mm. you hated, you respect, you had to respect them, but you hated them. Like, 
like legit hatred between that that organization and our organization, fan base, coaches, general managers, everything, bro, because of the because we were both so good. And we were, and because of the Lemieux incident when he hit Chris Draper from behind and broke his jaw and didn't apologize, so but you you whipped his ass the next year, right? Karma came back. Yeah, you don't think karma's real, man? God just served <laughs> in the form of number twenty-five that night. And the best part is, I I slayed the dragon. I beat beat Lemieux. Anybody goes on to ESPN Plus or she's unrivaled or whatever. We did a twenty-five year anniversary interview. Um, I need this mother in the head, and I don't. You're not supposed to do that in hockey, but he's got a welt to this day to remind him not to be stupid. But I stayed in the game. I did something that I would have got 25 games for in today's game, and stayed in the game and scored the overtime winner. So if you don't think karma's real, and then three months later we win win the cup for the first time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't get tired ever talking about it, and it just you know. It's hard to believe. It almost seems like a different lifetime. I can imagine that. Uh, do you still talk to Mario Lemieux, or did you ever? Or Claude? I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, Claude. Yeah, actually, like I tell everybody, listen, if you're on the ice today with Claude Lemieux and you turn your back, you're an idiot. But I'll turn my back off the ice. And we've done signings together, and you know what? There's something that it took a while, but, like, you know, the fact is that in life and sports, bad things happen, but you can't lose respect for a fellow human being. And... When Claude Demieux hit Draper from, Chris Draper from behind and broke his jaw in four spots and crushed his orbital bone, he didn't apologize. So the good Lord had to get involved. And so after 25 years and, you know, I, I, I'd i say I knew after about 20 years um, because we, and, and but it, he had to earn that with me. And I think that if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, go watch that Unrivaled ESPN. It'll explain. I think they did such a great job getting both sides of the story, everybody's side of the story, in uh, not just between Lemieux and I, but also with the Detroit-Colorado rivalry through, from the 90s into the 2000s. Who's who's the best Red Wing of all time to you? Well, to me, it's Steve Eisenman. Right? Like, he's my Red Wing. I mean, I know that Gordy Howe and the Ted Lindsay's and the guys that came before. And I play with Nick Lidstrom, who's arguably one of the greatest defensemen. But Steve Eiserman, for 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 all the things that people don't know about him, for what he means to me being here alive, you know, just today, he's always been that accountability. Like, I'm a, like Steve Eiserman taught, taught me... Well, actually, Scotty Bowman taught me that everybody in this lifetime, and it has nothing to do with marriage, um, is gonna has a bitch and is gonna be somebody's bitch. So whose bitch are you? <laughs> Took me three years to realize that I was Steve Eisman's because because he just <laughs> ride me to this day. He'll ride me like it's my job, but it's for my best, always in my best interest. And you know those people in your life that they hold you accountable. They 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 ask you the tough questions. Um, you know, because they care. So to me, it's 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 a lot deeper. But but because of what he did in my lifetime, watching him growing up and being able to be a part of championships with him, that's that's got to be my answer. Bowman's got to be the best coach ever. Oh yeah, he's a, he's not just the best coach; he's the best psychologist, right? Because what happens is you start is you 
realized, and here's the difference between a Scotty Bowman coach and Mike Babcock, because I played for both. Okay. If they did the exact same thing, you knew Scotty liked to collect rings, right? He was all about collecting rings, which meant it was about the team first. So if, if you ended up being, you know, pretty much, uh, you were taking the brunt, suck it up, Buttercup, because it's about it's a, he's thinking of the team first. Mike Babcock, he was more my way or the highway type of guy. If we ain't gonna win, if we're doing it my way, we're all not winning. So it's unfortunate. But Scotty Bowman, he realizes that he's like the greatest chess players: Gary Kasparov, Bobby Fischer. They're five moves ahead of you. You mm. just realize it. You go with the flow. You do your job. You do what's asked. The next thing you know, you collect the Stanley Cup ring. Hope when you went to Calgary. Yeah. Was that demoralizing or inspiring? Well, you know, and I, when I look back, is I didn't do myself any favors, but it was at the time where the salary cap came in. So our payroll went from sixty-one million to thirty-nine million. So I was making too much money. I was making two and a half million dollars that and that for my role in the new NHL wasn't feasible. So I got bought out, but I didn't, I didn't make it easy. My focuses were more into the music and into other things um, at that point, unfortunately. And um, so going to Calgary, I loved it. It reminded me of junior. I loved Jerome McGinley and Rhett Warner and Rob McGrath, Mick Kippersaw, Chris Simon, Tony Amate, all the guys I played with there. Um, it was fun for a few years, but also too, I wasn't in a good place mentally and, and, you know, in my personal life. So, um, every, I figured it out and, you know, I'd, I'd been to four rehabs and I, over the course of three years, I'd gone to two and ended up getting my shit together, coming back, um, to Detroit and being able to, you know, get a tryout and be able to actually started back in the IHL with Flint mm -hmm. just on, you know, just, just trying to prove that I had something left. And then I got an opportunity in Grand Rapids and, you know, proved it enough to, uh, you know, to be a part of the, you know, Oh seven Oh eight team. We came up and, and March played a few games and then was able through injuries play 17 of the 22 playoff games and get my four Stanley Cups. So it was unfortunate. The next year started out with the wings, went back down to the minors, but I was, my body was done um, injuries and stuff. So uh, unfortunately we lost in seven and Oh nine. But uh, after that, then I was done. At what point do you know it? Uh, I'm done. You know what? See, it's funny because with me, I was done mentally before I was done physically first. Then I physically put everything into it and then was done physically next. Okay. So it's one of those things that I always live by, you know, no what ifs. Do everything the best of your ability. Don't do it at all. And I sort of knew I'd sell myself short or I had something left or, you know, I had the joke. I used to tell the general manager, Kenny Holland, you hadn't won a cup without me in the lineup since 1955. I got something left. And what I had left was more so with the locker room because Chris Draper and Kirk Maltby and Chris Osgood, Nick Litzer, those are my guys, right? Mm -hmm. As were the Henrik Zetterbergs and Pavel Datsuk's younger guys. And I thought that could be a huge influence in the locker room. And I think that that's what Mike Babcock and was the intentions. But obviously, I, um, you know, I'd proven enough that I could play and, and get in the lineup and be effective. So um, something that, that, 
definitely proud of. But at the end of the day, physically, when I was done, I was done. I was ready to. I was ready to walk away. So, um, it took 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 a toll. It took it took a lot of years to uh, to start to feel okay again. Mm. But that's but that's through the the education and God bless uh, you know cannabis. Hey, I don't know how you guys do it. Like when like you especially back then, if you watched even a hockey game, the physicality of the sport off the charts. Like I don't care what sports you play. Like you you had to at least appreciate the gladiator esqueness, if that's even a word, of hockey players. You guys like. And it's like a, 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 a mentally, you can't like get hurt, almost. It's like like going out hurt is is like a sign of weakness. Right, weakness. Right. No, you gladiator ass gladiator mentality is is absolutely in that arena. I mean, you have to, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you have you see it a lot. You know, I compare it. I do a lot of things in wrestling now and stuff like this and it's that mentality of that competitor sometimes you see a wrestler take a a bad fall or whatever and you know ring their bell but they figure out a way to get through the match so you're in it you're in it and you know what it is because even as a team sport that hockey is you don't want to let the guy beside you down so it's accountability to your brotherhood that's even that that's what keeps you more. The secret to winning championships in mm. any sport is when the guy next to you is more important to you than you are to yourself, you got a chance. Okay. And so so what was it? I guess you touched on it a little bit about the fashion, the, the, the getting into wrestling, but that's not a team sport really. Not in not in the individuals. Well, I got a tag I, I like tag teams, so we sort of make it. And it's sort of as much of a team, but you're right. It's it's individual and stuff like this. But I think the warrior mentality of persevering through, like once you're in it, mm-hmm. like once once you just so a lot of guys too is that where you see guys get held out or whatever like that. Sometimes it's for their own good when they're not a hundred percent. And I'm talking on the ice or whatever because once you get out there, you only know one way to go. Right. And you know, in the ring, in the ring, it could be like that too. But it's also too. There's a game plan, right? And and there's a game plan, and there's there's some sort of, you know, the execution, the physicality, and you know, like like that's the whole thing. Like you know, hockey when it when you see guys run into each other, you know it's physical. Well, it's the same contact if guys are running into each other in the ring, just even though that they know they're gonna hit each other. It's still, it's still contact. And that, that's the, I guess that's the hard part. Like when I was a kid, like wrestling could do no wrong. And then when I found out that wrestling, they knew it was going to happen before it happened. But, but that changed how I viewed it, even though that may not necessarily have been fair. No, no. And, and, and I get it right. Where you have to watch, you know, it's the scripted of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, geez. Some of the professional sports look more like wrestling scripted these days than wrestling does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't like that call in the Lions game. I'm gonna oh, tell you that. You think? <laughs> oh yeah. I just was... love how they double down. The NFL just doubles down. Pretty much called their ref. A, the Lions made their refs a dipshit. Come on, man. Yeah, pretty much. Although, you know, like. I, I love the fact that I can brag on the Lions for realistically probably the first time in my life. 
Uh, but coach, coach just uh, he takes the going for it a, a too far. Well, you know what? Also, too, can we not agree that that as these this team has gotten better and as they've learned and stuff, so has he. I think that in the heat of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I saw somebody use an analogy like it's like arguing with your your better half, and you realize maybe you're wrong, but you're in the heat of the argument right then, <laughs> and it's just not time to simmer down, and maybe you make the wrong decision that you regret. So it's a learning for next time, right? Because the only thing we're we're not questioning going for it when they scored, we're questioning from the seven. So you know what? I, I don't think I think in the playoffs he probably would have kicked it. Yeah, right. I hope so. I, but I just think of he weighed the pros and cons too at that moment of what it meant. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think it's a, it's a huge blessing. Just like the other erroneous thing was uh, Amar Ross A. Brown being left off the. Pro Bowl. Oh my God. Uh, that, what, that, hey, dude, but you, dude, hey, just go fire my boy up. Hey, give him it. And the fact that he came out and said, I'm pissed. I love it, man. Make yo, another list, bro. Make another list. Why aren't go you coaching? God. That's, a, that's, a, that's a dude. That's a dude right there. He could have been a hockey player. Oh, Why aren't you coaching? I live my life at the rink. Uh, playing and whatever, and and hockey is what I do, what I did, not who I am. Um, I have a band. I do comedy throughout. I'm traveling the country, independent wrestling with my two guys, the level psychopath Tommy Vendetta, and the process MM3 Malcolm Monroe the third. We hold the uh, H2O uh, East Coast uh, Hardcore Hustle uh, Tag Team Championships. We'll be defending next Saturday in New Jersey. Um, ICW headed to, uh, the UK, um, with wrestling, uh, in February, just released graphic novel, McCartyComic.com. So I, I, I love to do other things and, and, and I still do a lot of things with the wings as far as, you know, season tickets and charity stuff and public appearances. And, you know, that's what I love to do, but nah, dude, I'd. That's not me, man. That's Drapes and Chelly and Stevie and all those guys. They they love they love it like that. I I love other things. And number one, like anybody who knows, Darren McCarty, premium cannabis brand. You know the health and wellness. Uh, get educated. Get medicated. It's about do you know you have an option? You tell me yes, and I can move on. So because I didn't for the longest time, and this plant saved my life. I like that shirt though. Where do, yeah. where do you where do you buy that at? Uh DarrenMcCarty.com. Okay. And can we see the book again? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Called, so- uh Life's the Grind, Enjoy My Truth. You can go to McCartycomic.com. We got a Kickstarter right now for the next couple weeks going. Um, as you can see, I wrote if anybody who knows my story, I wrote a book back ten years ago, 2013, called My Last Fight, mm-hmm. True Story of a Hockey Rock Star. And so, um, I was still drinking back then. I have my sobriety dates, 11, 11, 15. And I always wanted to do a graphic novel. And so my buddy, Dom, uh, Ruggio, who's with mess bucket comics, who I do Donnie Brook with, and a lot of other things, um, put together a 180 page graphic novel. So it's really, you know, like I, people ask me what it's like. I said, well, you know, it's like doing the book and with, uh, 
Kevin Allen and stuff. It's like having your life or your stories directed by movie by one person. And this is somebody else's version of the story. So I just provide, you know, a lot of the stories. Um, you know, there's a lot of the celebrities, uh, you know, the Kid Rocks and Zach Wild from Black Label's a big fan. Um, you know, some WWE stuff, some wrestling stuff, just, you know, bit a bit of life. So it was, it's been a great, uh, a great endeavor. You know, the back cover, I thought it was pretty cool because it got yeah, a bunch it, of Marvel it, Marvel yeah, guys working on like the a badass. stuff. So. <laughs> you look like a hero right there. I like that. Don't you like that? Like, Man. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yo, you, it, and what was crazy, like I'm going through your page and I'm seeing like just the extremely diverse people giving you a shout out about the book. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorites today was uh, Tommy Dreamer, who uh, ECW original, and I've become good friends with him over the years and stuff. And, um, you know, it's really cool for me, too, because I, you know, I fan fan out on a lot of people that that I've got to meet that that I look up to in in all different uh, forms of, you know, celebrity and stuff like that. Some to call a good friend. I mean, uh, you know, Kurt Angle's done one and... Um, you know, just, just a number of, number of people. I mean, it's, it's sort of flattering, uh, to see them come out. They surprised me when they come out. I didn't, I didn't put it together. Dom did. So, um, it's, it's real, it's a really cool project. It's really cool to be a part of. And, you know, that's the, the connectivity that, uh, that I love. Yo, I'm not going to lie. I fanned out a little bit for Kirk and Kirk Angle too. Yeah, I just did his podcast yesterday too, so that was really cool. Yeah, it took me back, man. Oh my god, favorite favorite wrestler of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, baby. <laughs> and that's why I got my finishers the D Max Stoner. I punch you in the stomach and hit you with the stunner instead of kicking you. Um, but yeah, no, I've been a Stone Cold guy back 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 in the in the day. Matthew Danano was the Rock. And we made uh, Mike Knubel be mankind. We used to hit him with chairs all over the dressing room. But we'd be flying all over. When the WWE come to town, we'd be running around the rings and stuff. So we got to meet all those guys at certain times and stuff. was really cool. Um, you know, Mick Foley's a big uh, big fan of his, too. I just got to work over Christmas with him at an ICW show where he was uh, where he was a surprise Santa Claus. Um and he pulled out Mr. Socko again, and then and then whacked the heel with uh, barbed wire bat. So it was it was uh, nostalgia, but it's uh, it's always cool to run into guys that you grew up with. Oh man, Macho Man did it for me. Like that, that was my guy. Yeah. And, and I had to, uh, I got a chance to meet him at an airport here in Cleveland, and he talked like that for real in real life. Or I I don't know. Maybe it was he just didn't turn it off. But man, he was just a really—he was in character, or I—I I think he was twenty-four-seven. Man, like, like him and Hulk Hogan, like of course Hulk Hogan, and Junkyard Dog too. Oh, oh my yeah. god, yeah. Oh. Um, what else is on the agenda for this year for you? Yeah, so you know, obviously, usually uh, two weeks out of the month, we're traveling around the country. Um, 
with doing a lot of the wrestling stuff or like I said, going out of state. But I also do it uh Darren McCarty slaps the comedy tour. You can check that out on Facebook. Uh travel travel around this great state. Um uh bring bring a lot of uh local uh comics and then I go around telling stories and stuff like that. So it's a great way to connect. Um we're getting ready to relaunch uh the the Darren McCarty cannabis brand here. So have people you know, uh, stay peeled for that. And uh, every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every weekday, 11 to 1, Woodward Sports Network. Uh, myself and Neil Rule do Big D Energy. So talk a lot about uh, all the local sports here in Detroit and in Michigan and stuff like that and touch on everything else. So I've been doing that for like three years and stuff. So uh, keep them busy that way. Uh, usually find me down at LCA for a Wings game, walking around. So it's a great way to be able to to meet some people in that. And other than that, um, you know, th- th- there's always uh, different appearances. And I know coming up and stuff like this, obviously, uh, having the Donnybrook comic book and the graphic novel and stuff, we'll be hitting some comic cons throughout the country. And, uh, you know, look, just look forward to talking to people and, and, and you know, connecting with like, like-minded individuals. What do you play in the rock band? I'm the lead screamer, bro. You're the lead yeah, band's screamer. name's Grinder. Uh, uh-huh. We formed it back uh, in nine, 1998. Oh, um, wow. Wrote a couple albums through 2004 and stuff like this. Was on hiatus for a bit. Came back last year. I'm just waiting for my rhythm guitar player to get ready to get back. But we're going to be out uh, playing this around, especially around the state here in hopefully February march we start so uh grinder grinder the band music wise who who do you get fanned out about i get fanned out at wrestlers musicians a lot of time you know like uh I, i'm fortunate that you know that i've uh like in the book i got a great story of uh oz fests from 2006 with black label society and system of a down and a little behind the scenes and in, into that stuff. So, you know, musicians are, 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 you know, like just different, interesting people, you know, and it's, and it's evolved right from, from more of the celebrities, just, just, uh, you meet an interesting people. Uh, it's given, you know, uh, the YouTubes and the podcasts and different things like that have given an opportunity, you know, to meet people. I, I'm lucky to have met so many different people, and have friendships, you know, over the years to touch back on. But, um, you know, I, I'm inspired by a lot of people. I got mm-hmm. to meet Jelly Roll here, you know, recently this summer. Inspirational dude. I just like, you know, I like people that are genuine. I, you know, with me, I, what you see is what you get. Uh, I'm only one way. And I like that with people that, and I, and I say that, uh, you know, just in, enjoy their truth. You know, somebody whose truth I enjoy doesn't mean you agree with them, but yeah. it's, you know, th- that they're true to themselves. And I appreciate that. I can respect you being who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's a journey, man. I mean, like I said, like I always say the D-Mac and Darren, man, I knew who D-Mac was when I was six years old. I didn't meet Darren until I was 46. I mean, we're all evolving and it's okay. Like, um, you know, we, we aren't who we used to be. Just try to be better each day. I mean, especially with, you know, the way of the world and, you know, this, that, and what's true, what's not, what's like, you know what I'm saying? You just got to look in the mirror and don't lie to that person. Just try to, try to figure it out. And what I've come to realize is, is it doesn't matter who you are. 
you know, being a human being is we all have, we all go through these moments, but you know, I believe in the human connection more than I do the disconnection, even though it seems like there's more effort put in these days of trying to disconnect us. So if I can be a part of trying to help connect, like in doing stuff like this, then I'm all about it. Yeah, there's definitely an effort to, uh, to control us by separation. Oh, 100%, and, bro. And, and it's, it's not that that hasn't always been the case to an extent, but it's just bad now. And it's just, well, it's just, it, they just cranked it up to 11, as they'd say in Spinal Tap. Oh, my God. Who, when you're riding in your car, who are you listening to? I, you know, I'm a big podcast guy. So I'm usually, I, I'm usually catching up on wrestling podcasts or stuff like this. If I'm listening to, if I'm listening to music, it's usually, it's usually, it depends. If I'm in Michigan, it's usually old. It's usually metal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually like a Pantera, you know, system of a doubt. It's usually a heavier thing. If I'm in Florida, I'm usually listening to country. So <laughs> just the way it goes. So it matters what the location puts you in a different it, space. It, it does. If I get in a country vibe down there. And what I mean by country, you know, like Eric Church or Blake Shelton or, you know, country rock, whatever like that. It just seems like the vibe down there is just the weather. Yeah. Has I, to be it. Just it, it, it seems like it is. If I'm out on the golf course, dude, my uh, everybody knows that I'm cranking Jethro Tull in the in, in my golf cart. I got Aqua Lung Blair and Locomotive. It's just the I love the frequency. It just keeps me in that zone. If I don't know if you golf or not, but I am absolutely tragic at golf. Okay. <laughs> you any my, good? That, that's that's what you find me doing all summer. That's that's one of the go tos too. I love, I love the game. It's a huge part of, uh, you know, health. That's a huge part of my mental health. Is is my golf? What's your handicap? Four. Oh shit! You can golf. Yeah, yeah, I can play. I played this year. Was probably the best I played. I got it down from like an eight to a four this year. Um, I'm like shot a six hundred and twelve. Uh, so, um, hey, shout out to, uh, um, God, I just went blank. That's okay. It happens to the best of us all the time. It happens to me all the time. That, that, (laughs) Uh, hold on one sec. I can't remember that. I love the background though. That's just dope. Yes, shout out to my PXG. Anybody who PXG's changed my game, and I swear by them. So, uh, <laughs> anybody who's looking, I, I, that's wow. That's good. PXG golf clubs. I swear by them. Prove my game. What is that behind you? The the yellow circles. Oh, that's Bucky's. You heard of, heard of the Bucky's truck stop? No. So. It's the greatest, it's not a truck stop because truckers aren't allowed there, but it's the greatest tourist. There's one in Lexington, Kentucky. They're like, they're like super malls of, of, it's, it's literally like a, a, uh, not a Walmart, but it's, it's, uh, it's, they got like prime rib sandwiches and they're cooking it all the time. They got everything you could ever want, but their, their, uh, mascot is Bucky Beaver. Oh, okay. So everybody yeah. is familiar with Bucky's. They're they're <laughs> Lexington, Kentucky's. I know that's where the 
the main one is when we go to Chattanooga for wrestling, we always stop there. What was it like? Uh, how many hat tricks have you scored? Let's see. I, I've got, I think the only one I got, I got one at exhibition, but they don't count. The only one I got was in the game one of the uh, 2002 um, conference finals against Colorado. Uh, natural hat trick in the third period. In the third? Yeah, we were down 3-2, and I scored 3-4-5. Oh, my God. That had to be a night to celebrate. Oh, it was, hey, it was awesome. You watched the replay. They were all in the same spot, too. High glove, high glove, and rebound, high glove. Hockey-wise, who do you just – I don't care they live in data or whatever. Who, who do you just enjoy watching play? Oh, like um, the – obviously Connor McDavid who's probably the best player in the world plays out in Edmonton just because of the skill level but Nathan McKinnon mm-hmm. who's in Colorado you know he he th- these guys just play at, at the, the size that they are but the speed that they play at and the, the what they can do these days the kids are amazing so yeah, usually you do catch the West Coast team I'm dialed in more to our Red Wing team even though it's frustrating <laughs> not keeping the puck out of the net, but we've won the last two games in a row on the road out in the West Coast. So, I mean, finding a way to get it done. But, um, yeah, and uh, I think that, you know, when a lot, too, is uh, a lot of the younger locals. So, the, have you heard of the Hughes brothers? There's two of them in New Jersey. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, I think Quinn I in, in Vancouver. They got local connection. Um, we'll always keep tabs on guys that have local ties. Okay. Um, I remember back in the day when Eric Lindros was coming into the league and Sports Center, like he was supposed to be that that super next guy. But it was about, you know, like he was a big guy but had little guy skills. You think was he the transition to the new age? I think that that's a great call as far as when was the first. And I played against Eric Lindros in junior. When he was in Oshawa, you know, that's coming up, and, and he was a man amongst boys. Like you said, the skill set of a small guy with the size of a big guy. He's the first, like, linebacker that could play hockey and was physical. The problem with Eric Lindros, and I think this is the evolution, is when you're a bigger kid, younger, and you don't you get bad habits, like skating through the middle with your head down with the puck because you can just go through guys, that when it comes to the NHL and you've got to, line up against men like Scott Stevens and then you end up with some concussions and stuff. That's the evolution if you see that that guy more so these days. There's a bunch of Eric Lindrosses in the NHL today, but I like that. As far as who is the first real big like yeah. start coming out. And and even is that Legion of Doom line with John LeClaire too, but Lindros with all the hype and everything of like that. And you know what? He pretty much Pro, might might have been if he wouldn't have stayed hurt. Mm-hmm. He just plays, uh, you know, came into the game where the physicality was there that it wasn't going to get away with. If he played today, oh, you'd never touch him. Mm. Okay. Best goalie ever. Ever in the history of ever? <laughs> that, that would be the ever. <laughs> Man, I got to think that I mean, you got to give Martin Brodeur some props for what for what he did. 
uh, Grant here for his time frame. My favorite goalie I ever played with was Chris Osgood, though. But that's but I'm biased. But uh, you know, probably in my in my day, but you know, Dominic Hasek was unbelievable too. For a short period of time, so. And you got to give Patrick Watt props, even though, like, I scored a lot of goals on him. That doesn't, shouldn't hold against him. But he was, he was great at what he did. So, I'll probably say Martin Brodeur if, if you put a gun to my head. Okay. I can see that. Um, I'm like Grant Fuhrer. Uh, I remember Patrick Watt, though. Like, I, like I would, I've watched Colorado play. And yeah, I but we destroyed them. So, I mean, does it really count? But I guess I would say that if it's because we destroyed them, that's how we we were the only ones that could destroy that greatness. Exactly. Right? Like you guys, you guys had a machine for a Absolutely. while. Absolutely. So did they. You know, um, yeah, it was the Red Wings. Like, and I looked it up. I think the Red Wings are like the third winningest team in league history. Something like that. That's pretty fucking incredible. Yeah, Montreal really dominated. Uh, I think we're second most cups. Okay. Yeah, Montreal dominated. Montreal's got like 24 or 25. They yeah. dominated. For, they, like, went, they were winning them like. Yeah, like they, they were the Celtics of, of hockey. Years. Yeah. You know, so. The, and and uh, Henri was basically Bill Russell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easily. Yeah. I, man, I can't imagine. I wonder what he's got. Like, what do your rings look like? Oh, they're they're gaudy and enormous. The first one is um, gold and silver, with the wing being silver. The net, the second one, the '98 one's probably the best one that you can wear. It, it's more wide and it's mm-hmm. got a red ruby red wing in it. Looks really cool. Um, the one is a combination, and then the the '08 one is just completely like blinged out platinum diamonds gaudy they're in safety deposit boxes that's how <laughs> that's how like you couldn't wear like you could never wear them out you could wear them to like a function or a wedding or something like that when was the last but, time you broke them all out all four of them i broke them out for a couple pictures recently oh it, it, yeah. does, it, does it take you somewhere you really don't, you really don't break them out i mean it's just you know i'd wear mine everywhere i'd sleep with them i'd, <laughs> I'd shower with them <laughs> Yeah, you'd be walking around with le- one less hand, bro. In the wrong- <laughs> you got to remember where I go. You got to remember the company I keep, man. I can't be wearing that stuff. Self-preservation. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they go about doing that? Um, So there's a, there's a bunch of ways. If you're on the socials, uh, at Real Darren McCarty, at official Darren McCarty, those are the Instagram, Facebooks, or at the Twitter, which I run, uh, Darren McCarty 4. You can go to DarrenMcCarty.com, or like I said, you're interested in in what we got going. There's a whole bunch of great, you know, uh, giveaways and stuff on this Kickstarter Dom has, so McCartyComic.com. Uh, and you can check me out, uh, like I said, during the week at Woodward Sports, the Woodward Sports Network on YouTube. You ever look back and be like, wow, I'm a, I'm a whole-ass legend in the game I love? Bro, anybody who knows me is like, I. Uh, it's 
when you remind me, I appreciate it. But I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't, it's not the way that I programmed. So, like, if we start talking about it, and I will, I've learned how to accept my flowers and stuff, but I don't go around, you know, I don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it, I had a cool, I had a cool job, and I appreciate it, and, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, like I said, that's more of, you know, what I did than, you know, who I am today. Yeah, but you, you did it at the highest level. I mean, it's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's surreal sometimes to watch video and go, that's me doing that stuff. But, you know, that's that's why I tell everybody, man. You can manifest your reality. It's it's about what are you willing to sacrifice? Like, truly willing to sacrifice. What was the lowest point? Oh, uh well, the Lord, I mean, I had so many, um, just with my alcoholism and addiction and stuff. But I, I remember November 10th, 2015, that was the last day that I drank. Like, and, and it was, I remember, cause it was like, I had to make a decision cause I was going to die. Like my, I was like probably 70 pounds heavier at the time. My, or my, my my liver and everything like was just so messed up. It was like, I was going to explode on the inside. And I just, just decided at that point, I, I remember I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to live. I'll decide to live, but just get out of my way. Cause uh, now I'm on a mission. And I tell that to everybody, not for anything other than, then it's okay that you fall down. But when you're sick and tired of falling, you got to get yourself back up. And no matter what, and you can do it. And um, so, I mean, there's 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 a lot of things that that you can't that I can't change in the past. I can only change, you know, going forward. And it's definitely when I look in the mirror, um, I'm proud of the person who I who I've become. Hasn't been easy, um, but I I'm grateful, you know, for the people that that have stuck around me um, and believed in me. You know, a lot of it is my my brothers that I played with, you know, the, the, you know, the organization, definitely uh, my wife, Cheryl. Um, so, so, you know, which, which I tell everybody is that you can't, you can't do it for anybody, but somebody can give you the perspective that you deserve to love yourself enough mm-hmm. to do it. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, anybody out there struggling, you deserve yourself enough, love yourself enough to get back up and change your narrative. It can be done. I'm living proof. I'm yeah. on every spectrum. I'm living proof to get to the highest of highs and be the legend that you talk about and have all those stories. And I'm also too is that I've fallen down, been to four rehabs and and been at the end and and in in positions that I would never wish on anybody, but I've gotten through it. And here I am today. So I mean, as above, so below. You know, that's that's why to me, if anybody says a secret, it's just try to find that balance. Don't get too high, don't get too low. It's just about trying to get through. Some days will be better than others, but know that this too shall pass. Progress, not perfection. Mm. And salute to Space Indico, who's watching. It's been going strong. Uh, off the booze here as well. That's what's up. It wasn't easy, but we are here now. Amen. Amen. So- so, um, and I, I just want to thank you so much, man, for your time, your, your, your wisdom, 
Um, this has been a phenomenal conversation, one that I won't forget. It's not too often. Actually, you are absolutely the first person that I have talked to that's actually won a Stanley Cup, let alone four. Uh, so right on. I'll take that, homie. I'll take it too. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, more importantly, I, I appreciate the the journey you've been on. Much love, man. I appreciate that too. That's what it's all about. It's this connection, this conversation that we know that we're closer, we're closer together as, as a human race than, than we are apart. So I appreciate your time also and also the time of, of your audience. Absolutely, man. If there's anything I can possibly do for you, please don't hesitate to let me know and I got you. Appreciate you. All right. You have a good one. You too, man. Yo, that's pretty dope. Um, yeah, I'm cuz where was you at, man? Come on, man. Not, I'll probably n- never have another hockey player on the show. Uh, but it was pretty dope that I was actually able to go live on Instagram too. Um, go figure. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It didn't work yesterday and it worked today. Uh salute to that man, though. That that was uh that, that was very dope, man. Um Darren McCarty, ladies and gentlemen, four-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh yo. That's pretty fucking dope. Anyway, uh, next week we have got the cast of the upcoming movie, The Crush. Uh, that should be pretty dope. And I'm hoping we we got Darren Rostick scheduled um, of Rostick Arms. They, they you know they 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 make guns, so that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Um, but my guy is just extremely busy, man. But I do want to say one thing, man. Never give up. Um, I don't care if you if you eight or if you're 85 and there's something that you want to do out there in life. Uh, all it takes is not quitting. Literally, uh, anything that you don't know, as long as you don't quit, you will know you'll get better. Um, it, it won't be easy all the time, but it'll absolutely be worth it every step of the way. I guarantee you. I started doing this shit. Man. It's, this is what I, I, I want to say the year nine. Cause I started in 2015. So, yeah, this is year nine. And. Last year was the best year I've had, um, and this year looks to be that year to really, uh, for people to really know what we got going on over here. You know, I'm just an old, an old fat nigga with a microphone in his basement that has met people around the globe, literally. Um, it has been an honor to talk to everybody from Darren McCarty to Royce the Five Nine to Malcolm Jamal Warner to, uh, Kendrick Johnson's mother. I've been able to talk to to people of all aspects of life, people that I would have never met um, had I not started this podcast. And that that does not escape me at all. And I'm truly appreciative. Um, and the best is yet to come. Y'all have a good one, man. This is Jobs. And this has been another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio. Peace.